it's a significant day today. Just because we have decided corporately to have a gift day. And because we're intentional about it, to actually declare our corporateness by doing something special to give. Um, we may be worried about how much we're giving, and I don't think that's the point. It's actually we do something significant to honour the day together. And that's the most important thing about it. I'm going to pray. Father, we're going to thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, that as we read through your word, and we read the historical events of the Jewish people and all the things that you told them to do and gave them to do, certain days were marked out as special days. Father, we just give this day to you and ask for your help that we may honour this for the kingdom of God. We ask for your help as we look at your word. It may speak to each of us in Jesus' name. I'd like to turn to Genesis 22. We're going to an early biblical story about a man called Abraham. Um, if we know anything about Abraham, he was known as a man who had faith in God. Um, more than that, that he, he trusted God. And there's a difference. Sometimes faith is actually measured by the trust we declare and show in him. Today is an opportunity to do that, to say, well, to show God how real our faith is. And for us today in this, um, in this sort of day in which we live, doing it corporately together is a way of doing that. Saying it's a special day, it's a day when we're going to show that my faith is more than what I say, it's more than what I think, I want to do something for the kingdom of God. I just want us to look simply at the life of Abraham. Um, I had thought of an earlier passage, or I thought God was leading me to another passage in the Old Testament uh, earlier on, but actually Barbara gave me the confirmation for turning to what I'm going to do today. Um, and that is I want to see what this tells us about Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Jireh is this wonderful name we have at God that he is able to provide. Now how far we, we as people are willing to go down that road of trusting God to the nth degree of how he can provide is another story. But this is the incident in the life of one man who is willing to declare his trust in God by doing something which we may think is almost horrific, um, but something which God required of him to demonstrate. You see, Abraham had gone a long way in his faith with God. And sometimes we go so far and no further. Abraham wanted to go all the way, and God knew that. And so he drew him into the, what was probably the worst scenario in order for him to demonstrate that, and he was willing to do it. So let's read the story. I'm going to make some comments as I go through that uh, may help us to see what we can see. I just want to tell you a little story before I do this because it's relevant today. It's an old story and you'll know it when I tell it to you but it uh, helps us make a difference and it's a story about the chicken and the pig and the chicken and the pig were walking down the road and they saw a man in the field 
And they said, come on, let's give him hat, uh, bacon and eggs this morning. And so the pig turned to the chicken and he said, that's all right for you, that's a contribution. But for me, it's total sacrifice. And a distinct, it gives us this distinction between the two. And we have those here this morning. It may be here this morning, just a contribution or a sacrifice. When we have our collections on the Sunday, each Sunday, they're contributions to God's work. Today it's different because there's a little bit of a sacrifice to what we're doing, demonstrating there is a difference between the two. So Genesis 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here am I. And God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. He didn't say pray for me while I go forward. He said, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Some people say that that little phrase there, saying go, we will go over there and worship and come back, is a statement of his faith that God would not ultimately call Isaac, uh, Abraham to kill his son. In other words, Abraham was demonstrating a faith in God. Other people say, well, it was just a word to keep the servants Nerves and spirits, you know, so that they would understand that there's nothing drastic going on here, you know, just to keep their minds level, because they might say, what are you up to then, Abraham, today? But he says, no, we're going over there, and I love this, we're going over there to worship. And I think we all know the story, the end of this story enough to say his act of giving the son that he loved was an act of worship. Let's draw on what we're doing today it's not just a gift day, it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And I was reading this this morning, I thought to myself, he took the wood and he took the fire. It wasn't a flame, it wasn't a naked flame, but he took the means to light the wood. I mean, he could have said, well, oh, you get, get to the place of sacrifice, he said, well, I left the fire behind, you know, and have to go back and get it and that sort of thing, you know. But it's, it's like this morning, it's like the wood that Abraham took with him to make the fire, but he took the fire as well with him. And that's a little bit like this morning, you know, we bring our offerings, which could be just be the wood, but we're bringing fire into the situation as well. The means to light the wood. It's the fire of faith, you know, to light the wood. He took it with him. Another version said he took the flint with him. Maybe that's the means of lighting the fire. I don't know. But he took it with him. 
And I just imagine Abraham trying to light the fire. If you've seen the, the guys on Bear Grylls trying to light the fire in the, in, in the outback, <laughs> they were hungry, I think, for so many days because they couldn't light the fire. But here's a man, he took the fire with him. Brothers and sisters, this morning we're giving, we're taking the fire with us as we go. That which is going to make the difference, the fire. Verse 7, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Those of you who are parents, do you have children know about the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ? Isaac was aware of what Abraham was going to do. It was about offering sacrifices to God as a way of worship and pleasing him. As our children come into this place and other children come into this place, we want them to know about what it meant for Jesus to lay down his life as a sacrifice. So Isaac knew what his father was up to because he was aware. Children having an understanding there's more to life than life itself. Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord, sorry, I've slipped down here. Let's start at verse 6 again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his, on his son Isaac, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, and he said, here am I, my son, You've got the fire, you've got the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. At the heart of this story is that Abraham's going to recognize this whole event as a time when he would realize how God could provide in any and every situation. I think this morning God wants to help some of us to understand that God is a God who can provide all our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I'll come back to that a little bit later on. Verse 9, And when they came to the place of which God told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. That's an amazing phrase, isn't it? Does God know in what we do? that we actually fear him. That's not the fear of being afraid, but it's the fear. You know, we honour God as the creator of the world and the one who gives life and breath to all, the one who sustains this world, the one who owns it, the one who gave his son to die for the world, the one who's going to wrap up this world and the universe and complete it and restore it to the way it was or should have been. That's what our God's up to. So what we're about here this morning is have an understanding of how God's in this with us today, in our gift day. Having the fear of God, it's not just a collection. 
It's not just a collection, it's a gift day. Verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this. Because you have done this. I just want to say that, speak that over us this morning. God is saying, because you have done this. For my glory, for my kingdom, and for my purposes, and because you love me, because you have done this. Yeah? Just take that to yourself. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Let that sink in. Because of what you have done, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have done this. Could there be something about the spirit of that for us this morning? Because you have given for God's kingdom, that nations of the earth will be blessed? Yes, absolutely. That babies will come, families will be added, other people will come to know Jesus Christ as Saviour. Oh, how wonderful is that? Because you gave 5p this morning, it's going to be the means of someone else hearing about Jesus Christ. That's worth it, isn't it? Because of what you, because of this, because of this. That's how important this day is. Because of this. So Abraham, verse 19, So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Lots of other things that we see how God worked out because of what Abraham had done. I just want to just, just keep re-emphasizing that. Because you have done this today, God will do something. Because God will provide. God will provide. We know Job Jehirah, the name that uh, Abraham called that place. And also, God was known by that, that he was the God that provided. I just want to say one or two things about this before we go back to worship. First of all, we need to gauge the difference between a whip round for Fred, who's retiring at the end of the year, and by giving, investing into what God's doing here in Herne Bay. Children in need, excellent. And I think in its own way, it has issues about the kingdom of God because people's lives are being blessed by it. But it's a bit like a whip round for Fred, isn't it? This is different. 
This is not a whip round for Fred. It's saying, I want to invest in the future of God breaking out in Green Hill. I want to invest in that, even if it means one person being healed, one person being saved, one child being saved or helped or guided into the truth. I want to invest in that. Tell you, brothers and sisters, this day in this place in Green Hill is real estate. That's what we're investing in. It's real estate. That's where Abraham was because he knew that God was involved in something much bigger than just his own personal circumstances. He knew his God was at work. Do we know that God's at work? He's going to show it, he's going to show that he's at work. And we want to invest in that. We want, and sometimes that might make a difference to how much we put in the collection sometimes. So we need to gauge the difference between a whip round for Fred, who's retiring. The next thing I want to say is this. God didn't want Isaac's life. He wanted Abraham's heart. That's the difference. He didn't want Isaac's life. He wanted Abraham's heart. And this morning, it's not really God, the money that God wants, although we need it. It's our hearts. It's our hearts. You know, if in your mind you think, what are these elders doing? Why have they letting Steve be leader of this church? Then I would suggest you don't actually put anything in the offering. If you don't think we should be here in Green Hill, then let it go past. If you think it's not important what we're doing today, well, that's it. If you've left money in your will to sponsoring the three-legged dog Olympics, then God's not got your heart. Or the benevolent fund for the three blind mice God's not got our heart. And I know people who are leaving thousands of pounds to animal charities. That's not God's heart, because it's people he's concerned with. People who will learn to love Jesus Christ as saviour. People who will find that Jesus can be everything to them in their lives. People who find that there's a future beyond the grave. And it's not just Annihilation at the end of my life. No future. God has done all this so that we might have a future. And that we know the wonder of his blessings in our life, in this life. So it wasn't Isaac's life that God was after. It was Abraham's heart. And that's what he's after this morning. He's after our hearts in this. That too may make a difference how we give. The other thing I want to say, the provision that God made, and we see it as a miraculous provision. It was miraculous. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? But in a sense, it was a natural thing, which was seen as supernatural. There's a lady in our congregation who has many stories of how God has supplied people's needs in times of difficulty. And it goes back a few years, but it makes the point. It makes the point that 
God provides in natural ways, but actually it's supernatural. It's a family of seven, five children in the family, and it's coming up to Christmas, and there was no money to buy presents for the children, no money at all. And in those days, there wasn't a lot of money about, but this lady wanted to celebrate Christmas and make it special for the children. And she said, if only I can buy just a few nuts and sweets and make up a stocking for them, that'll be good. But because money was so short, she couldn't even do the fruits and the nuts and the sweets. So she prayed about it. Now, her husband was a railway worker, and his job, Miss tells you, it goes back a few ways, his job was to put three detonators on the rails before the train came into the station so that the train knew in foggy times you know, that the station was coming up. And this man had an extra job in this family, and his job to, when it was foggy, to go out and put these detonators on the railway. And um, just two weeks before Christmas, it came up all foggy. And so he did his job, he went out and he put the three detonators on the railway. He did his job, he went back home. And of course, he gets paid extra for that. And so she's able to buy the nuts and the sweets to put in the child's stocking. But this is the supernatural bit. When he goes in Monday morning, he said, why, wasn't it foggy on Friday night? And his colleague said, what fog? The fog was only on his bit of line, not on anybody else's. I don't know how he, how he actually convinced his bosses that he went out. I don't know that, because it was only on his bit of line. And he got paid for it. There's that natural, but supernatural way in which God provides. Now, some of you may have given a little bit sacrificially here this morning, and uh, it might have been difficult to do that. If you're like me, I've, I've done this in the past. You know, you, you, you give sacrificially or you give somebody some money, you expect it all to float down from the sky and say, Oh, God's in this, he give me some money. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work instantaneously. But what I will say, out of the testimony of my own life, how God's provided for me, then whatever God will provide for you. If we do something to honour God, God honours us. He will do that. The ram caught in the thicket was not an unusual thing, but it was caught there at that time, just at the right time and the right place, and the angel spoke to. God's ability to provide naturally but supernaturally. And God will honour us when we honour him in this. I'm going to say one more thing, and then I'm going to finish. We began this story by saying, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him. It's a funny word, this tested. Um, We could start off by saying, Okay, Abraham, you say you love me, you say um, you provide for all that I need and and, uh, there's nothing I wouldn't give you. 
It's, and it's got this word testing. Another word we can look at is proving. God was proving where Abraham was if what he had was real. What was real. Now, our modern generation is robbing the church of the dignity of what faith really means. Some people believe it's just believing in Jesus, and that's fine. But it actually, this is a crude way of saying it, is put your money where your mouth is. It says, Lord, count me in. I want to be part of this. Our generation is robbing the church, robbing God's people of the ability to prove him in living by faith. It's wonderful that we live in the country we do, with social security, we have excellent health service, so much around us. But there are in some ways, in some situations, you know that it's robbing us of what it is to know God in a real way. One of the things that God calls us to, we put our, mouth in, our money where our mouth is, is believe and be baptised. That's the, demonstrate, the public demonstration of my belief in Jesus. If we don't go beyond there, we may be stuck like the old records used to be. You know, jump in a groove back. And you say, I don't seem to be moving on as a Christian. God might say to us, well, you haven't got past the first point, really. You know? It's actually proving God, even though it might be difficult. Proving God, even though it might be difficult. Now, I've asked a couple this morning to come and speak and to say something about how God provided for them. Just a little bit about them first. Derek, some of you are not all Derek's history. I now know this morning, I've learnt by truth, that he went to McDonald's after midnight on Friday night. <laughs> so, if April doesn't know yet, I understand too. But, but many, many years ago... Derek, have you got through all those shoes you bought when you first left your job? You have. Derek left his work with the GPO many, many, many years ago. He left, being, he left his job because he knew God wanted him to work for him. And I'm sure there have been many instances in life when he can prove God's faithfulness to him. Derek, come and say just a little bit. Give him a mic. In the late 1970s, I uh, came to realize that God wanted me to uh, leave my work. I had a very good job. I was earning almost £10,000 a year in 1980. And um, God wanted me to leave that and serve him. Uh, and after a lot of thought and worry, uh, I made that step and gave the notice in. Um, I had some savings, but not enough to live on. Uh, the church I was in was quite happy to recommend me, but they made it very clear that they weren't going to finance me at all. In fact, they did change their mind. They gave me a pound a month, <laughs> which uh, it was just a matter of um, covering the cost of the fuel 
to bring the people into church I was bringing in each month, you see. And uh, it may sound silly, but in those days you could buy four gallons of fuel for a pound, okay? Not litres, four gallons for a pound. Uh, It wasn't as silly as it sounds. Uh, But, you know, I went out uh, with not having any organised support, but from God. Um, And then uh, about two or three years later, um, I checked my Building Society book and bank and everything, looked back, and I found that I had almost exactly the same as when I started out, and the difference was so small, it could have been the cash in my pocket when I worked out the difference. It was that small. Although the amount I got did go down and up and up and down, in the end, it was what I started with. God had provided every need. One of the other things along the way is I used to find more money was coming in for a while. That was wonderful. But after a bit, I realized what that meant was there was a bill coming up I didn't know about. Uh, you know, the washing machine, you know, it gets more money in than the washing machine would pack up or something like that. But uh, God is good. Carried on like that for 17 years, uh, including managed to buy the house I'm now living in. Uh, not outright, but, you know, got most of it. And uh, God does very good. And uh, totally faithful. Thank you, Derek. And then many years, Fred Norris moved to Canterbury. I remember the little shop down Stour Street, was it? Christian Literature Crusade came to Canterbury. And we then had a Christian bookshop in Canterbury. There's a little one in Herne Bay here, but it wasn't doing that well. But the one in came to Canterbury. And I know that move of Fred Norris to, Herne Bay, to Canterbury was an act of trusting God because God wanted them to do that. And Norris is going to tell us a little bit about that. Well, like Derek, um, our step of faith started back in the 1970s. We were both working and we felt God wanted to call us into full-time work. We weren't sure we prayed about it and felt that CLC was the right place. We had Paul and uh, it was the same thing. We lived by faith. CLC provided you a house to live in and then you trusted God for whatever else you needed. So we decided we'd do that. We sold our house paid off the mortgage and had a little bit of money left. And at the time, it was funny because we've got this bit of money and we thought, well, we, w- we won't have much money now, so we'd better go to America with this money and see Fred's family because we'll never see them again. And that was our sort of thoughts of how God provided. But it didn't work out like that. We, we, we left everything, went to London, and we started working in CLC in London. And, and we're still wondering, well, how's God can provide? We, we didn't have anybody off, uh, backing us, like Derek said. Nobody had said, we'll support us. We left the little church in the village where we were. And uh, the first day, this is amazing thing, uh, we were working in the shop. Fed was upstairs in the um, London shop. I was downstairs. And it was lunchtime. And it was, in those days, the only place to get Christian books was in the bookshop. And at lunchtime, it was really, really busy. So uh, the staff had to take their lunchtime between uh, 11 and 12. 
So 11 o'clock, the other person working with Fred upstairs went off for lunch and Fred's up there by himself. First day in the shop, didn't know anything. And he said this man walked in the door and in those days, he was a, a, one of the, a, like, dressed like um, a city gentleman, pinstripe suit, bowler hat, umbrella under his arm, and a briefcase. And he walked straight up to Fred, and Fred said, I thought, oh, what's he going to ask me? I don't know anything. And he handed him a little brown envelope, and he said, God's told me to give you this. And this absolutely, we never had anything like this happen before, of course. And in it was five pounds. And when we had our lunch, I said, well, that's a funny thing, you know, we didn't. And as we prayed, it was like God said, I know where you are, and I know you've got needs, and this is to show you. And I'm convinced that was an angel. If Fed had walked out, I don't think that man would have been there. It was just, that was it. And that was the first time. And, you know, it's hard to receive. We'd always been givers. But it's very humbling to have to receive. And it wasn't the money. It's like David said, with, it wasn't like um, Abraham giving Isaac his son. It's not the money. It's just knowing that God knows where you are. And he will provide. And he provides so abundantly. From then on, we never had any thoughts about it. We never spent days praying for our provision or anything. <coughs> we just trusted God. And later on, uh, we moved from London. We came to Whitstable. And the time came up when um, uh, they were wanting people to go to China to take Bibles. And we were at Stonely Bible Week, and um, they were asking for people to go. And I'd always, always wanted to go to China. I love the Chinese people, always prayed for them. And I said, Fred, oh, I'd love to go, but it's expensive. And he said, look, put your name down, he said, and we'll trust God that when the time comes, you'll be able to go. So I put my name down on the list, didn't say anything to anybody, nobody knew, I didn't have the money, I'm just there waiting. And then after about a month, I said, I was praying, and it's like God said to me, if you can trust me for your fare, why can't you trust me for Fred? And I thought, well, yeah, that's right. So I said to Fred, I said, I think God wants you to go as well. And he said, well, we haven't got your money yet. I said, that's all right, put your name down. <laughs> so we put, put our names down. And you know, that was uh, sort of in the autumn time. We were going next April. By the time we went in April, we'd both got our fares and we had 500 pounds to take with us to give to the people over there to buy Bibles for Hong Kong. And where it all came from, I couldn't tell you, but it's so amazing. You think you know, oh, that person you know, might give me something or whatever. But no, they didn't. And we had a big donation from a lady that we had known uh, before we came to CLC about 20 years previously. And she was born in China. She was of missionary parents. And we knew her then. And she'd heard that we were going. And she wrote us this letter. And she said, I, I, I was born in China. And I, I, she was Christian. And I longed to go there. And, uh, long for them to become Christians, and I've heard that you're going, and I want you to have this gift towards your, your going there. And that, you know, it's things like this. Nobody, I, I didn't tell her, I don't know where she heard it, but through people, all they knew is we were going. Nobody knew how we were going. And I think God is so amazing how he provides. And the thing is, you can't outgive God. And the more you give, we've always been givers, and when God provided for us, 
we, we'd been supporting children and doing things, and I said, Fred, but it's not just us, you know. I, I don't want to stop doing this. But we didn't have to, because God wanted us to do that. Over and above, he provides. And I think it is so amazing. And today, whatever you're giving, it won't make any difference to how you live or what things, because God provides. It, it, it just comes back. And, and if, you know... You ask God what you should give. I don't look in, you know, the bank account and think, well, how much is in there? I just say, God, how much is, you know? And it all works out at the end of the month. You've still got the same. You don't lose anything. But I just really want to give thanks today for over the years how he's provided for us. And funny enough, Fed's in America today. Mm. We've been back to America several times, (laughs) lots of times since then. But God is such a bountiful giver. Just trust him and... We've often said if we had as much faith for everything as we did for God's provision, well, you know, it would be, we'd be sailing. Mm. So, Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Well, our time's gone, really, and we're going to, in a moment, we're going to sing Jehovah Jireh. But I just want us to be encouraged in the fact that Jehovah Jireh, God, is our provider, and he can provide for all that we need. There are so many testimonies. Paul and Kay are working in CLC at the moment. I know they have many stories. I know Helen has stories about how God's provided her with times of need financially and other things. And lots of you have got stories. We just need to celebrate God now with Jehovah Jireh and say how wonderful he is. And of course, if, if you're finding this issue difficult, we're here to pray. Pray it through in Jesus' name. Yeah. If the parents would like to go and collect their